0: We are the carers for our neighbors. We are servants in our labor. We are counting well the cost of living for the cross. We are good, trouble. the carers for our neighbors our servants and our labor we are counting well the cost
1: Punks. Did you know that you can be a part of the Dunker Punks podcast? We are right now recruiting congregational sponsors. So if your home church cares about what youth have to say about following Jesus and wants to be a part of supporting young adults with a platform, we can make that happen. We're looking for 20 congregations to come together to amplify young voices of faith and give them opportunities to create and lead. If your congregation is interested in partnering with the DPP, you can email us at dpp@arlingtoncob.org at for more details. We have a fantastic informational packet all about how congregational sponsorships work that you can pass along to your church board. We are also currently recruiting a new communications intern. This is open to current and recent secondary education students. It's a part-time, remote, paid position sponsored by On Earth Peace. And if you became our intern, you would get to work with a non-hierarchical project team of Dunkerpunks who live across the country to help recruit new voices, get to know the young people who speak up on the show, and help them make connections with their message. You could get experience and gain professional skills, interpersonal communications, project production, social media content generation, fundraising, and graphic design are all parts of this work. You would be able to immerse yourself in storytelling and spiritual discourse, promoting reflection, action, service, social justice advocacy, and creation care. Did we mention you'd also get paid? If that sounds as fantastic to you as it does to me, email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including a job description. This episode comes to us from Mark Dowdy, who is interviewing his parents, Dale and Christy. Dale and Christy are seasoned pastors who are talking about the places that they find hope in and outside the life of the church. This conversation is the first in a series of episodes that will feature perspectives from seasoned pastors. And if you know a pastor that you would like to hear from, or if you're a young adult who would like to interview some of those folks, send us an email and let us know. This is a great conversation to kick off the series, and I hope you enjoy Mark chatting with Christy and Dale.
0: Dunker Punks podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Dowdy, and I'm here with my parents and uh, former pastors, Christy and Dale Dowdy.
2: And we're here, glad to be here in Harrisonburg, Virginia.
3: <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to chime in and say I'm glad to be here as well.
0: So, as I said, you're you're both pastors and uh, for the majority of your time as pastors, you were uh, co-pastors, but your um, your Time, your your training as pastors, your time as pastor, started before uh, I was born. So would you, exactly. Yeah. Could you tell me tell me more about that?
2: Especially.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. So
3: I began uh, when I was in seminary. Uh, my my two summers uh, I was at Conestoga Church of the Brethren in Leola, Pennsylvania, and I was the summer pastor. Then I was hired by the congregation, and I served there as the associate pastor and also the pastor. Uh, for five years um, and then we were married
2: Right, during your last year there at um, at the church in Leola we met and were married in the summer of 86 and then it was at that juncture that I thought you know, I had been teaching for 10 years and I'd always wanted to go to seminary and so you're like, well, let's go, why not? But that meant a change for you as well.
3: It did. And so I applied at three hospitals in the Chicago area to become a resident in clinical pastoral education. And I did that for one year at Christ Hospital and Medical Center in Oak Lawn. And then I was hired by the hospital as a uh, OB-GYN past, uh, pastor or chaplain and also in the uh, pediatric department half-time. And I did that for uh, the time uh, until Christy graduated and beyond.
2: We learned so much from that experience, even though I wasn't on site. Just your sharing the experiences and um, our day-to-day conversations just helped us so much about hope and about the reality of tragedy and trauma in people's lives. But getting back to our story a bit, then I... Um, was graduated from seminary, then in 89, and during that time, even though I swore I would never be a pastor, we discerned that perhaps I was called to do that, and we could do that together. Um, just saying we wanted to have the best marriage and the best family we could, we, we did do some therapy together to say how might we best complement one another in our gifts And also, just an aside, of course, I was um, pregnant with you my senior year, and you were born then in um, August of 89, and at that point, there were lots of people calling, saying, will you consider coming to different Mm -hmm. places? And for a while, we thought, we just need to discern, um, where should we be called? And that was quite a process.
3: And we also needed to settle in to become pastors, not only uh, to think about it, but also to become comfortable with our new role as parents.
2: (laughs) Yes, Uh, that was... (laughs) uh, We
3: had a lot of adjustments to make. A lot of adjustments, And so that was a great time of learning and and teaching and uh, growing uh, before we actually even launched into looking for the for our final uh discernment call to amlo park church of the brethren in lincoln nebraska yeah
2: i'm thinking that's where you spent your first uh you know real pastorate you we had you involved in the church when we were in Carroll stream illinois but we officially moved in um, march of that 90 and um you were loved as a baby. <laughs> you were the star PK, for sure, and people loved you, and of course, they loved having a pastoral team with a young child, and um, it was it was a great time. We had a great experience at Antelope Park. Um, you know, being in the city that has continued to grow is quite a challenge to be the Church of the Brethren, and particularly at that time, um, people in that part of the world, there weren't very many Church of the Brethren, and people would say, what is that? Is that a cult? And so we had a lot of issues about the name of the church. We were on a very um, prominent corner in the middle of the city, but um, it was difficult to try to explain to people who we were and um, started to um, even put out signs on the church lawn about peace and about uh, accepting humanity. And so in some ways it trying to offer a little message of hope to to the community at that point in time. But after almost nine and a half years, um, we then made a major move. And perhaps we should say, of course, you had two brothers during that time as well. Mm -hmm. There were two more dowdy boys that came. And um, so when you were, how old when we made the next move?
0: Uh, I was... Almost 10, so I was nine and yeah. a half-ish.
2: Getting ready to enter fourth grade, I remember. Yep. So it was a major call to us to move across the country to Pennsylvania, to Huntingdon, Pennsylvania, where uh, Junietta College was um, situated. And it was an exciting call for us, but it was also a major move because we were moving away from most of our family and we had to make a commitment that that would be a lot of our vacation times was going back and forth to to visit with family. So three young boys, we settled in in Huntingdon. At the Um,
3: Stone Church of the Brethren.
2: Correct, yeah. And uh, that was a wonderful experience through the years. We ended up, as you know, again, we spent 18 years total in Huntingdon, um, Sixteen of those as team pastors, and then the last two years um, I was the senior pastor and you did an interim, right?
3: Yeah, so we decided that we would conclude our team ministry and that I would begin the um, option of just retiring, and uh, then uh, I was called to serve as an interim pastor at the First Church of the Brethren in Roaring Spring, Pennsylvania.
0: So I did that for two years. So so what, what sort of conversations occurred to lead you to the point of concluding your uh, team ministry? Because obviously that's not something you take lightly after uh, 20-some years.
2: Absolutely. It was a long process, really.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think part of it was just saying we... Honestly, there was, um, Dale was more tired, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think. He was ready to um, do something different and talking about retirement. And I also felt that the work wasn't quite finished at Stone Church. And so I needed to finish some things and it was a good um, time for us to do something different. And um, so you're right. It's hard to say in this short time all the discernment that happened um, to make that major, decision. Yeah, I was going to say decision. it
3: probably occurred at least over nine months or to a year as much uh, we were we were talking about it.
2: I would say more than two or three years actually. But that's, you know, it, it's just that gradual process in a sense of what is God calling you to at different points in your life? and different seasons and um, at that point too, knowing your ages, you know, do we leave somewhere where you won't have a home anymore? A place where you grew up and you could come back to friends, but not to an actual place. And um, so there was a lot of consideration, both for us as parents, as pastors, but also for you as as our, young adults that were growing up at that time, what was going to be best and for sp- you?
0: Speaking of uh, young adults, so I had already left home and moved here right. to uh, Harrisonburg, but let's see, Micah and Stephen were both still living at home? Micah wasn't, right?
2: No, that's neither one was, was living at home at that point um, because Stephen had already left for his program as a high school student. Um, and so That's right. all three of you were gone, but again, you were just starting to establish new lives and new places. And honestly, you know, you just don't, what is the best for the family? And how do we um, close out a chapter like that when that was such a major part of your lives? Mm-hmm. And people who had a community of faith, a, not only the church but the whole community, the school it's a small enough town that you know there was an a, that whole body I would say um, had watched you grow up and was important to us as as a family mm-hmm. and as a support. yeah I was going to
3: say you know we did not take that lightly I mean any of this uh making that decision when to move and when to, uh, you know, how long did we stay? And so it was a, a, a powerful and important moment in our lives to come to that point where we say it is now time for us to move on and finish our work and know that in the future God would be with us as we move to that next
0: chapter in our lives
2: and where would that be because that in itself was a major decision for us
0: yeah speaking of next steps so dad you were you were uh uh interim pastor at first church in roaring spring and that lasted for you you said two years and so that that meant that at that point what happened after that after that pastorate and
2: yes so at that point that was in 2019 um, Dale resigned that position, and that was when I left Stone Church. Then.
3: No, it was 2017.
2: That's correct, 2017. 2017.
3: <laughs> so it's actually it's actually been almost five years since we left there, mm-hmm. and so I concluded on the, you know the third Sunday of August in 2017, and Christie finished on the last Sunday of August
2: not really knowing what was next other than that we were moving to Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, Part of the reason we had a good friend here, we knew you were living here, and um, we thought there were a lot of choices for different churches to attend in this area, and we appreciated the peace and justice work of Harrisonburg that we had heard and read about in many places. And surprise, I wasn't sure what was next for me. I wasn't quite ready to say I'm totally done with pastoral ministry, but um, God did surprise us, and I was called to serve as the interim pastor at the Arlington Church of the Brethren for um, about 15 months. And following that, for about, after about six more months, I was called to serve as the interim pastor at the Bridgewater Church of the Brethren. And so that, because of COVID and many other reasons, I was there for 26 months and just finished, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, December 1st of this last year. So now we are officially (laughs) retired. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, of course, I want to note that um, you became uh, the pastor, the interim pastor at Bridgewater before any of us knew anything about covid
2: that's absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely. None of us have even the it's vocabulary like, yeah. to talk about it.
0: Nope.
2: Let Not alone that. I had no clue about what Zoom meant, but I certainly do now.
0: Yep. Well, plenty of people didn't know what Zoom That's meant. true. So, given that your uh, respective careers mom 31 years and dad 36 years um how has your has well has your outlook on hope changed throughout your career or maybe it's just what how you've talked about it or maybe the situation around us has changed enough that you maybe have to talk about it in a different way maybe uh talk a little bit about that well, I think for me, uh, I learned
3: a lot in seminary, but there was a lot that you can't learn in seminary. Sure. <laughs> you have to learn it along the way. And one of the things that I came to understand in a, in a new way was, once I did my clinical pastoral education, was hired at that hospital, I encountered situations where people needed someone to bring them hope, and often I found that the best way to do that was for them to have a caring presence in their lives at that very moment, and that meant that I provided a conduit from their faith, if they had that, or at least A way for them to understand and at least have a sense of caring that perhaps provided hope in the moment when they were dealing with a crisis and helped them to look into the future and see that they would be cared about if if they looked into that future with hope in their heart. That's not always easy. And and no, it doesn't always happen. But it, it is an important part of my learning, I think, in that very situation.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating, as you ask the question, to think about sort of this arc of hope. How did we see hope at the beginning of our career and really the beginning of your life and, and now? And um, the one thing I want to continue to bring forth is that I feel like really hope rest, and knowing and continuing to just soak in that God is present in all times and how do I see that and how do I recognize that? And I think in the midst of today's world it's very challenging sometimes to really say, do I have hope, but I can never turn away from knowing that God is present and continues to want the very best for us as we um, live together in community. But I think in every setting we've been in, um, sure, there's been conflict, there's been um, challenges, but there are always people who care about one another. and. We can have joy together as well as deep sorrow, and both those things knit us together and offer hope. And in the midst of just tragic times, I have seen people reach out to one another and form this circle of love that offers so much hope to me for our world and what is still possible
3: yeah i would say that the whole idea of what community means and what it can provide is hope because when we try to live as single individuals without that kind of caring for one another then we we run into problems and when we seek to care for one another in ways that go beyond anything our words are able to describe, we find the joy and the power of, uh, of that relationship that builds in that kind of uh, blessed community.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to deny that um, we're living in very challenging times as a Christian um, group. And when we say Christianity in our culture today, it has more of a negative connotation. And that's very discouraging to me, but I understand it perfectly. Um, But how do we as individuals continue to really dig into Scripture and know that those same kind of things were a challenge to human beings? And that I think the church is changing, a new thing is being born, and I have great hope that um, that life choosing of, of Jesus being our center continues to bring us to a new place uh, of living.
3: I believe that hope is found in hospitality. Mm-hmm. When we care for one another and when we reach out to one another, it provides something that goes beyond even our words are able to describe, and so hope is found in hospitality.
0: As you're as you're talking about uh, the difficult times we live in, um, you know, as someone who, well, as a as a young adult, I'm thirty-two as a young adult uh, who is still part of the church and still participates, um, and in fact is, at the time of recording, going to a uh, National Young Adult Conference soon, um, you know, the the kind of concern I've heard from a lot of older folks in the, in uh, Bridgewater Church of the Brethren, where I'm a member, is that the church is dying and then, and then it's going to, you know, fade away and become less relevant um you know and i and i feel like you know every everybody has a time they're living on and and it's challenging in its own way but uh right now the challenge at least from my perspective is that the church seems to be its influence in society is waning Mm -hmm. in some ways
2: oh i i think you're absolutely right but as I again am so encouraged by persons such as yourself, by the Dunker Punk listening group to say, there is something new being born. And no, I don't think the church will look the same as it does even 10 years from now or 20 years from now. But I still believe that God is making something new and you have something great to offer to um, how we're being called into a new time and to speak out about issues that are so important to um, show justice in our society. And, but we have to be rooted, I think, in God's love and grace in order to have the energy and the focus to be able to do that work.
3: Yeah, because I think the power of the resurrection, the central theme of who we are as Christians, is the hope that we need. And that is, it brings new life in ways that we can't even describe in words sometimes. But it is that power of new life that we look to and know Feeds us and opens us up to what God will do in our midst when we open ourselves up to one another and to what God is
0: doing in our midst. So, part of part of hope for the future may be, um, you know, generation, you know, Generation uh, Z and millennials are leaving the church. But um, what I'm hearing is if we what is something that the the church and maybe specifically the Church of the Brethren um can offer ten, as you say ten years from now, fifteen years from now that well, I mean there's the obvious answer. What what can it offer society that society does not give because a lot of a lot of, you know, our generation and the generation after me are really suffering because they're their mental health is, is, mm-hmm. is, is suffering because there's something missing. What is missing? You know, there's, there's something, something, something's amiss.
2: Absolutely. You know, I have been so encouraged through um, meditations with Richard Rohr. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he continues to have these daily devotions that talk about how in so many ways we've made Christianity this moral code in a way and, and I think that has um, put so many boundaries around Christianity when really um, we're invited to be freer and, and have this great freedom of, of of experiencing again these relationships with one another but it's I'm certainly not naive to say that it's difficult times. And I have this incredible desire for um, your generation to explore, in a sense, this spiritual life in a different kind of way, in a deeper way. And I think people are doing that through different kinds of worship. It's not gonna look the same, necessarily. For instance, um, just experiencing silence and t'zay and and different kinds of music that just can bring some unity together. And um, I, again, I I have hope for that, but it's not gonna be easy. And um, I'm certainly um, very aware of all the conflicts, uh, of the church and of the difficulty.
3: You know, and I'm aware of what I believe our culture needs right now, and that is, out of our, I'd say, um, statement that came out a number of years ago, continuing the work of Jesus, peacefully, simply, together. And what is it our culture needs right now, and what it, all of us need is, to understand the peaceful ways of Jesus and to to see life in a way that we don't get it so complicated we have trouble seeing what is right before us and also together how do we live in in unity and care for one another in ways that go beyond the different ways we may understand things but we live in the reality of the community that loves
0: and cares for itself and for the world around it. So what I'm hearing you say is the church can offer our generation and the generation after and the generation after that, offer the future uh, a sense of community, a sense of uh, hospitality and unconditional love. Absolutely.
2: And... It's we are the church, you know, you are the church, we are the church. It's not this separate entity uh, right. out there. Right. It's how do we offer that and, and how do we, because how are we grounded in that? How do we experience that um, and continue to remind one another or um, live that among ourselves? So... Sometimes when we make that distinction like will the church offer it to us, I have this reaction like, no, we are the church itself. Right. But I realize, you know, there's definitely a generational gap and lots of things and ways. I'm not naive in that.
0: that the church, we offer hope to ourselves now and into the future. Um, but but how how might the church us, we, go about do, showing that to people?
3: I think one of the things we have to do and that is to not say wow, it's not like it used to be. We need to be able to say let's look and discern and dream for the future and what the church can be. If we try to go back and do what it was, then we're, we're, we're in uh, deep mud. Hmm. But if we look to the future and dream of what God will do, if we work together, discern together, dream together, and hope together,
2: And I do agree, but I also know that we also have to look to the past and confess those places where we have really made mistakes, where we have not accepted people, where we have um, really sinned against one another. And how do we come to a point of, in a sense, lamenting the past so we can then move to a future with greater hope. And that's really important to me. It's not simply just letting go of that past as we just, because we have to work through some of the trauma of that past that we've had together that's very damaging to many people.
3: And I would say that is a balance that you have to take. You balance that by saying yeah, let's, let's lament and confess where we've made mistakes and then say let's not go back to what we were but let's look at what the ways in which God is calling us to a new day to allow the resurrection to have us be a
0: people of hope so in a sense um The way the church used to be was responding to a specific was responding to a place and a time and a situation that we 're no longer in we 're in a different time and we 're in a different situation with with new problems and some of some of the old ones too but um i what i 'm hearing is uh, the church needs to both acknowledge the good that 's out of the out of the past
3: mm-hmm.
0: while Admitting freely that there were mistakes done in the past. There were people that were hurt. Mm -hmm. And we can't move into the future without acknowledging this.
2: That's absolutely what I believe. And by coming to that kind of recognition and confession, then we can move into a place of greater hope together. And, And
0: I... I'll go back to, you know, something that Jesus said. He, he said, the poor will always be with you. Which I always took to not mean don't do anything. It meant there will always be issues, but we always have to keep working towards solving whatever issues we can in the place we are.
2: Right. There are always humanity with issues, and, but that puts us in a position of how are we Jesus? with one another again and uh, offer hope that comes out of that love and grace together.
0: If not us, who? Correct. Well, Mom and Dad, Dale and Christy. (laughs) Thank you very much for sitting down with me and uh, uh, talking with me about uh, past, present, and future of the church and and hope itself.
2: Thank you. This Thank was you, fun Mark. To do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so as I mentioned, um, I'm a, a PK, a pastor's kid. And so I, I was able to kind of see the other side of things that, you know, some other folks in the church might not might not have the chance to see. And um, I definitely, I mean, I'm still here. I'm still a part of the church. Um, I definitely think that sometimes, say, you know, talking about community and getting along and, like, living together in, in love and forgiveness and all that stuff can be... Very lofty goals and sounds great, but where the rubber meets the road, it can get kind of <laughs> it kind of in the weeds, bogged down, um, and sometimes that can get people to lose sight of uh, what we're really aiming at um, but i but those those details are always important, um, like you know do we send out uh envelopes for to collect money from people? In, in, the days of, of direct deposits and, and Venmo and, you know, the, like those are de- teeny tiny details that, that we can sometimes think, you know, lose, lose the sight of the, lose sight of the real goal, which is to be together and, and, in, in love. But all these details add up to, uh, a whole. And I definitely saw that. And appreciate that, and I think that, um, if we, if we as a, as a a body of, of Christ can get used to that, I think it'll be a bit easier to, um, for the church to, to unify without being uniform.
1: This conversation put me in mind of that verse from 1 Corinthians, that chapter 13, all about love. You probably have heard these words before. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I really like the ways that Christy and Dale talk about the church as a place of care. And their hopes are anchored in places and communities where people are doing that work of caring for one another. That verse from 1 Corinthians about love is like a checklist of how to do the work. And that last phrase always punches me in the gut. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That passage goes on to say that love never ends. That's a great place to anchor our hope. Love wins. Love is the baseline, the foundation, and the end goal love hopes all things my prayer for us dunker punks as this season of the podcast ends and we take a break for the summer is that we may all find ourselves caught up in both the blessing and the work of love in this season Dunker Punk's podcast seeks to do the work of love by tending space for young people's stories about their authentic faith experience. We want to start conversations and create connections and inspire you towards service, growth, community, and advocacy. You can follow us on social media at Pod. We even have a new show archive on Pinterest, if you're over there on Pinterest. And you can sign up for our periodic newsletter at the show homepage, www.arlingtoncob.org slash DPP. You can also find on that webpage ways to donate and support the show. Did you know that every member of episode teams is compensated for their time? $150 pays honorariums for a full show, and $50 compensates an audio contributor. Thanks for listening and being a part of this movement, Dunker Punks. This episode was created by Mark Dowdy, edited by Jacob Krause, and I am one of your hosts, Dana Cassell. My pronouns are she, her. Jacob Kraus creates our music, Suzanne Lay manages production, Emily Schlott volunteers in communications, and Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. This is the last show of our season, y'all, but keep an ear out for the new season, airing the first Saturday of September. See you then.